What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL on the contrary show. First of the postseason, we're through 18 weeks of the regular season and back at you with yet another edition of your favorite show every week. I'm Dave Lochran at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners and joining me back here once again, recent Millie maker winner. Alex Baker, Awesomeo himself at Awesomeo DFS. What's good, brother? We've made it to the postseason. Yeah, I mean, this is this is amazing because postseason is so much more predictable than the regular season. And that week 18, it's just a little bit of a stressful experience. I don't know how you guys felt, but it's kind of cool because like all the weirdness was confined to that one Saturday slate. And then the Sunday slate was pretty normal, but still uh, just a lot of work to, to parse through all the information there. So you didn't see the Jaguars blowing out the Colts. <laughs> yeah, that, that one was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it was. And hey, joining us, I believe, I believe he actually kicked off the season with us. So it's a perfect way to, uh, to put a bow on everything. Of course, we'll have one next week as well. But Chris Spaggs, one of our favorites here, used to be one of us, but he left us for bigger and better ventures. The VP of content at Edge Sports and Football Outsiders, and of course, co-host of the Splash Play podcast with Pete Overzet. What's good, brother? You moved to Pennsylvania. You got a baby on the way. You got big things happening. You're like an hour away from me now. I know. I'm just trying to do the Lafay starters kit, moving out here, having a baby. I'm going to start <laughs> rooting for the Eagles. Maybe it'll make me better at broadcasting. I think that's the hope, but I'm excited to be back here. I love this show. I always love doing contrarian picks. And I feel like for the playoffs, especially, I mean, now is the time more than ever that you got to get those contrarian picks into your lineup. Studio looks great, man. I'm loving what you did there. Thanks, Thank you. The yeah, I feel like. Oh. Yeah, trying to make strides here to make a professional <laughs> appearance. It's funny because I'm literally doing, you know, three shows a week now for Splash Play while we build up stuff behind the scenes because, you know, like for me, I know people, you leave an Osmo and people think you're going to do, you know, the exact same thing. And it's like, no, like you guys are so good. And I think the chat too is sometimes surprised that I'm always watching live before lock. And when Eric or Greg or mention me or just Greg did a silly bit where he put on the deal with it, sunglasses on his face on live before lock. But it's like, I'm watching this just like you guys because it's fun and you can't compete with this. Like I know other sites out there have tried but the live before lock deeper dive duo there like that's what you have to have on every night when playing nba so i'm gonna do some other weird shit i'll just do gimmicks with pete every day on splash play <laughs> in the hopes that we just do something different than try to tackle you guys we do miss you though man it was we had some good times for sure so happy Same to have here? you back and alex yes your studio as well the minimalist approach looks fantastic as well Thanks, man. Yeah, I thought you were complimenting me here. Bike, <laughs> I got like something in the corner, you know. So, but uh, Spags, I have to give it to you. Your studio is uh, much, much better than mine. I got to make up for the lack of quality somewhere. I think that's the main thing. <laughs> that's the is going to get me there. That's what I did. I was like, during the pandemic, I have nothing to offer. Let me, let me make <laughs> this look decent in the background. All right, let's dive into this. We uh, surprisingly have a lot to talk about. Here's what we're going to do we're going to go separate slate chop them up if you're watching after the fact tyler let's throw a timestamp in here for when we go to the sunday slate after this wraps all right uh and we got saturday two games three games sunday but first things first happy to have you guys with us as always thanks we're at 71k subs man making that that trek to 100,000 subscribers and you know what's going to get us there i'll tell you right now what's going to get us there what's going to get us there and i think eric linkwitz might have said this maybe it was greg yesterday it's when we set up producer cam with Jordan Klein starting on Monday, man, he is, 
He is nervous, but that just makes it so much better. I mean, how can you not appreciate that? But hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Only takes a second. And if you hate it, just unsubscribe. You wake up in cold sweats regretting the decision. We got you, man. We'll gladly refund your misery. But if you want to join the channel, get the custom emojis, the super chats, free super chats each month, the badges, all that good stuff, priority questions and comments along with our Discord members. Hit that join below. Let's dive into it. Spags, I'll kick it off with you as our honorary guest. When it comes to a slate like this, right, with short slates, uh, two games and then three games. We're not going to break down a five or six gamer because we just don't have time. How much exposure are you willing to get on certain players? Like, are you willing to go 90, 100% on certain players that you really feel confident in? Football's always tough. Like with NBA, I'm definitely more willing to get there. And that's how I've had some of my best nights that including the ones that helped me get this house. Uh, so I feel like that's the stuff that is a little bit different with NFL where um, I've actually had to really couch my, my kind of expectations for its players this year in particular, where I'm still using the Osmo data and all that. But like you see a guy like Joe Mixon and he's going to be owned by two thirds of the field on that Saturday slate. And the optimal rate is still higher, but you know that there are game scripts where he cannot get there. Does that just include, you know, T Higgins, Jamar Chase going off that include the Raiders, somehow keeping the ball away from them and pulling in a lead. Like there's still ways you could see that 25% of him not getting into an optimal lineup, according to the Osmo boom bus tool. And, and I think that's the sort of stuff you have to keep in mind with NFL a little bit more than NBA, um, especially in this season in particular, where things have been um, so wildly variant, but uh, yeah, to me, like, I think I get, if you have a play that's going to be 90 or hundred percent in your Saturday or, or Sunday slates, but it can't be one of the chalk guys. Cause I think you just have to account for the fact that there are these outcomes that everybody's expecting to happen. Like the Colts game you mentioned, and then it just goes the other way. Alex, what about you? Really same question here, just given that there aren't a lot of games and we've got some players coming in with uh, pretty monstrous ownership. Nobody insane. Like Joe Mixon's up there. Waller's up there. Are you willing to just go heavily over the field on some of these 50 plus percent players instead of getting different and getting away from them? I'm definitely not afraid to, to lock in someone in a short slate, but okay. there's some interesting game theory at play here because two of the most popular plays to Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs first and third in ownership. Like there's some negative correlation there where, on days where Mixon has a big day, Josh Jacobs will probably have less rushing attempts and vice versa. So I think there is um, some way to build lineups for this weekend where you're kind of trying to figure, like base it around the outcome of certain games instead of just trying to, to pick and choose uh, the best plays in isolation. All right, Alex, if I were to throw this on the flip side, are there spots that you're willing to fade entirely? Like, for example, a Mac Jones who's garnering like 9% ownership, four degrees at kickoff, not a pass heavy team, whereas the three other quarterbacks are all garnering a lot of ownership. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, I mean, like uh, Mac Jones, I, I don't want to rule him out completely, like because the ownership is kind of in line with what we're expecting there. <clears throat> And uh, New England definitely might be forced to go more pass heavy, even if they don't want to. So going up against Buffalo, they're, they're underdogs. And uh, to some extent, <clears throat> the quarterback uh, scoring just depends on, is it going to be like a rushing touchdown or passing touchdown? And, and you just don't know before the game. So I think Mac Jones is, uh, is a reasonable play, but there are some guys that I'd be willing to completely fade. Like one example is Gabriel Davis, where his playing time had been up because Emmanuel Sanders is back or sorry, was out 
but Sanders is back this week. So it seems like people are still on Davis and not on Sanders. I don't really understand it, but if that's the case tomorrow, then uh, I think Davis is a very risky play. All right, boys, let's get into it. Spags, speaking of Gabe Davis, Mac Jones and the like, you've got four degrees at kickoff at Highmark Stadium out there in Orchard Park, New York. Mac Jones, 9.6% ownership. Uh, the passing game here seems like it could struggle. But if we were to just take this and, and take a very basic look at it, it's not like the weather that we saw a couple of months ago or whenever that was, where it was like 100 mile per hour sustained winds. Uh, it is really cold, but no real winds to speak of. How much are you factoring weather into your decision making for this one? I know it's something that we've talked about a lot on, on this channel over the course of years. And that's, I know that Alex and Tom and Eddie have beaten into my head since we were, you know, we've launched everything here is that, you know, just trust the Vegas total here. And you, the Vegas total will tell you enough that I don't need to worry about the weather. Like it's already a low enough total here. The fact that this game is uh, projected for under you know 45 points is I think saying enough about what you're expecting overall. The issue for me that I'm having is that I think everybody's writing off the Patriots. We've been doing a lot of best ball drafts with underdog, which I know you guys are doing too. And, you know, for the playoffs and people are, not drafting Patriots at all. I get they're not the sexiest fantasy team, but is there not a world where we think Bill Belichick's going to do the thing that he's done time and time again, where people write him off, he comes in with some game script that makes for a really ugly game and then gets the Patriots a win. I don't know that matters as much for DFS. It might matter when we talk about our favorite bets of the week a little bit later on in the show, but I do think the Patriots are live to win here. You know, Josh Allen throwing picks, regressing to the worst version of himself. Not crazy. The issue is I don't know how that's Mac Jones related. I don't know how he's the one that forces it. I think if this game does go the Patriots way, you got to think it's the running backs really driving the value. So that's where I'm at too. And I got to tell you, Alex, uh, I'll jump around a little bit here. I had some topics listed out, but fuck it. Uh, the, <laughs> The, the, the Damian Harris ownership to me right now, and, and maybe maybe you can tell me where I'm off base, but it seems extraordinarily low when you consider that, yes, okay, they might be the one team that won't run a bell cow. Like, Devin Singletary is getting 80-plus percent of snaps, you would think, with the way they're using him lately. Uh, Joe Mixon, no doubt about it. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been getting all of the work outside of a couple opportunities in the passing game for Jalen Richard. And Damian Harris is questionable, but theres I don't have any doubt he's going to play. When you come into a playoff game, this is a guy who, in two games against Buffalo this season, has 214 yards on 28 carries and four rushing touchdowns, averaging 7.6 yards per attempt. I mean, does it not feel like, even if we don't have him projected incredibly, that Damian Harris, with more, less than half the ownership of all of those other running backs, doesn't make sense in a cold-weather game on a run-first offense? Well, I think that uh, Damian Harris is definitely the, the toughest sell of the, the starting running backs. And the reason why is because of the workload, as you mentioned, and also because this isn't a game that we're necessarily expecting New England to be able to run the ball a ton of times. So if we go back to the previous weeks, uh, Damian Harris only runs routes on somewhere between 10 and 30 percent of plays. So that's uh, a negative. And then the workload with Ramondre Stevenson back, uh, it, he, he missed that one game and Damian Harris was a bell cow. But uh, it, like it, it seems to be maybe like whoever is playing better uh, in that game. So I think uh, last week Damian Harris had a big edge over Ramondre Stevenson. But if Stevenson 
gets the series and has pretty good results, uh, that could pretty easily flip. So uh, I think Harris is pretty risky. Okay. What about you, Spags? I guess I'm on the other side of the fence on this one. I think he's risky, but I also just love the the goal line upside. And if he does get hot, the 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 massive ceiling you would think you'd see with with a lot of opportunities and and potentially a lower uh, or less passing game. But where are you at in the backfield in general here for for New England? Yeah, I get the price point issues with Damian Harris, and I think there's probably a lot of situations where he does leave you holding the bag at that price. But I think to me, if this is a spot where you are trying to just get different and you know going to be less than a quarter of the field on Damian Harris, I think that's one way you could do it. And I know Ramondre Stevenson is going to be even less owned. Uh, Stevenson is going to be even less owned, so I think that's I could see the logic in wanting to go there too. Probably more of a passing game script would help out Ramondre. But I think the one where the Patriots do have the lead and just so, sort of salt it away, they've shown time and time again, like even when this was a 50-50 split, that in those kind of game scripts they do want to go uh, Damian Harris's way a bit more clearly trust him a little bit more Ramondre more explosive I think overall and everything per touch wise does look like a better player but Damian Harris fumbles less does have that touchdown equity does seem to get the higher volume days when they're ahead I think that's the way the Patriots win is just keeping you know Buffalo at bay and then you know that's if they don't do that they're probably going to lose at the arm of Mac Jones so I think to me you're really just playing a particular line of construction that you know has a few dominoes that'll fall like if you're playing Damian Harris probably no bills in that line or less bills in that lineup you're also probably loading up on the early game like there's some ways to get there i think from a tournament perspective but you really got to line up those contingencies that that really end with the patriots winning this game i'll give you a crazy stat it's kind of unrelated but uh eckler gibson and harris are two three and four in red zone we're two three and four in red zone carries this season with 48 47 and 46 respectively jonathan taylor was first with 89 how is that possible that he doubled them? He doubled up every other player in the league. I mean, sure, Derrick Henry would have been there, but my God, that's just insane. Uh, Alex, the passing game for New England, we talked about the low ownership on Mac Jones, which is, you know, subsequently you're going to see lower ownership on most of the pass catchers here for New England. But Jacoby Myers getting a little bit of love. You're seeing around 20% on guys like Hunter Henry as well. Do you want to target the passing game in the event that, like you said, maybe they're forced to throw more? Yeah, I mean, we got to be targeting everyone here. It's all about the like lineup construction. So I think New England wants to run the ball, but they'll throw if they have to. I mean, that's pretty much what we've seen all season. So if you do uh, pick Jacoby Myers or uh, Aguilar, Bourne, Henry, all reasonable plays, uh, I think that you want to have a couple of bills at least just to make sure that you're kind of capturing that Buffalo is going to have to have a pretty good day for those guys to cross that threshold and get a decent amount of work. Spags, pass catchers, New England. It's never pretty on this team. I mean, last week was, was heinous against, against Miami, but uh, we don't have a ton of options. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't trust anybody on New England in the past catching. I know Kendrick Bourne has spiked some weeks here and there, but was always running less routes on the field for less snaps than the other guys. Nelson Aguilar has had uh, days approaching usefulness, but not really um, kind of outlier efforts. Kobe Myers, we all know the touchdown things that finally got that monkey off his back, but still it's not like he's a touchdown machine since then, and it's possibly regressed in a meaningful way. So I don't know who you trust, and you still have Hunter Henry out there getting a good amount of those snaps at tight end with John Smith not being a factor, but maybe 
Maybe this is the week where Bill Belichick's been keeping John Smith in the garage and he finally lets him loose for one of those, you know, catch and run plays that he used to get all the time in Tennessee and hasn't had at all um, in New England. So I think that's sort of the, the, the crappy part of New England. And we all know that is that you really can't trust any one player, you know, in, the, in any sort of facet of the game. But with the running backs, at least, you know, there's like two guys there. It's not, not like the five guys there's been in the last few years. With the wide receivers, I feel like Kendrick Bourne relative to ownership and what we've seen upside wise in the hopes that he can get more snaps, I think jumps out. But I don't really have the faith in that. Like, would I want to play him in half my lineups or really any of these guys? I just don't see how you'd feel that way. Let me stick with you for a second, Spags, and, and break down these running backs a little further. We, we talked about Damian Harris, and I want to get into some potentially low on value backs, but it, this, those streets are ugly. First, though, the, the top tier guys like Mixon, I, I use the term top tier loosely, but Mixon, Jacobs, Singletary, they're all really popular. And I think rightfully so. I, I would probably want more Devin Singletary than Jacobs, although ownership suggests otherwise right now. But is there any strong lean you have one way or the other separating the three of these uh, running backs tomorrow? I mean, I think Mixon is the clear best one, which is why all the ownership's going there. We, like sure. You guys talk about a lot in the channel is that, you know, the ownership is usually pretty efficient and sharp and is indicating what looks like the best play on the surface, at least. So I think to me, he's definitely in his own tier. But then you, when you account for the ownership, you can talk yourself into going other directions. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, like going to Josh Jacobs is one of those directions where you are getting direct leverage on Joe Mixon. Um, the theory there would be that Josh Jacobs gets the ball more because they're keeping the ball away uh, from Mixon's side. And then Mixon theoretically gets less touches because they're going to the pass game more. So I think Jacobs probably has the most appeal to me out of that group, but I do think Jacobs and Damian Harris kind of live to me as a running back grouping that doesn't include Mixon that gets you on a different track than a lot of people accounts for the Patriots winning. And I think that's a, you know, obviously I'll be playing a bunch of different configurations. I don't want to act like I'm so sentimental at the idea of Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris, but those are two really good backs that have volume and have a pathway to having the upside. And I think, um, for a two-game slate, you got to just play those limited windows of opportunity that could actually happen. For sure. And, and Alex, when it comes to you with these running backs, and I, I want to, again, ask you about some of these uh, super volatile, low-volume ones down at the bottom. But uh, as it stands right now, just based on our tools, based on the boom-bust tool, ownership, everything you're seeing, uh, for people watching right now asking the same question, are you differentiating in any big way between these three guys? And are there any that you're expecting to just – I don't want to say lock in, but I mean, Mixon's got 71 projected ownership, 52% for Jacobs, 47 for Singletary. They're all up there on a two gamer. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's really hard to, to plant a flag here. I guess the, the main strategy I'm seeing is that maybe when you have Mixon, you want to have less Jacobs uh, than you would otherwise and vice versa. And you can do that. Uh, one thing you can do in Fantasy Cruncher is use their boost feature. So you can say like, okay, if I have mixed in my lineup, then adjust Jacob's projection minus 15 or 20% or something like that. So uh, those are the kind of correlations maybe you want uh, to factor in here because um, I'm sure most people aren't going to really worry about Okay, I have Mixon, and the next best play is Jacobs. So I'll put Jacobs. So right. I think that uh, is one way you could possibly get an edge here. What about some of these lower owned plays? Like once you get down to the the non starters, you're getting you know weak projections for good reason. You're getting and, and Spags did mention both of us mentioned everyone. I think all of us mentioned Ramadre Stevenson, but he's not exactly one of those dirt cheap like almost min sal backs. Samaji P Ryan Jalen Richard. Does Brandon Bolden get five targets, six targets if they fall behind? 
Zach Moss has been an afterthought over the past five weeks, even inactive in one of those games. I mean, is there anything here or should we just be chasing value at wide receiver and tight end? Yeah, that's the crazy thing. It's like you look at these really cheap running backs, like Jalen Richard is 4K, projected for 4.4 points. And somehow we have him as being a 5% chance of being in the optimal lineup. So that really shows that maybe punting tight or punting running back is a viable strategy this week, even though like Bolden and Richard like most likely are <laughs> gonna not uh, put put up very much. So that's kind of interesting. The guy I'd stay away from is Samaj P. Ryan because I just don't think he's going to play very much with uh, mixing playoffs where uh, P. Ryan got work in the passing game a little bit in the regular season. But I feel like in the playoffs, they're just going to have Mixon out there almost all the time. Um, but I think wide receiver, there's always some, some decent punts. So that's a good place to go for value too. Spags, as they did in a couple's retreat, metaphorical gun to your head. If you had to pick from some of these guys, who would it be? I think Brandon Bolden, I think just hearing Alex talk about that and the way you introduced him as a concept, I think does have some appeal to me. And we talked about Ramondre being very good on a per touch basis, but he is still a rookie back and pass protection. We know is always a thing in the playoffs and a thing for a guy, a uh, coach like Bill Belichick in particular, where if it takes all it takes really one play of Stevenson fumbling or blowing pass protection, and he could be out of that game because you know that they don't want guys bearing down on Mac Jones, given how they basically have kept him bubble wrapped all year as best they can. Yep. So I think that's a spot where you could see Bolden come in that game script to me means that Buffalo pulled ahead. So uh, like Alex is talking about, I think the boost function for a two game slate, especially could be useful where perhaps you have some, you know, two bills receivers, then you then give a boost to Brandon Bolden and X amount of lineups, I think would be a decent approach, but I think Brandon Bolden is kind of that James white guy, even though he's definitely not gotten the same amount of usage as white did historically where he can come in and get, you know, five catches and, you know, maybe that's worth 50 receiving yards, maybe gets a touchdown. That could be enough to win a two-game slate. So I think out of the guys we mentioned, I'd probably go his way over Jalen Richard or any of the other flotsam floating around out there on the two-gamer. <laughs> Danny Green in chat, the Danny Green, says uh, the, the, uh, where is the value is at wide receiver. And, I mean, Spags, I don't even disagree with that because as much as we – have all ragged on, on the wide receiver core for, for the Raiders, you know, even with, even before Henry Ruggs was imprisoned uh, or in jail, they still have some value from time to time. Like, and I know Waller's back, so we're going to have to kind of break this down a little differently than we've done in the past, but Zay Jones has become, I won't say focal point, but he's become a big part of the offense. And then Brian Edwards sporadically has those games where, he actually does something. It's it's unlikely and unusual, but he's almost minimum salary. I mean, it does feel like whether you want to or not, you have to at least entertain some cheap wide receivers from the Raiders this week in a game with the pretty decent total. Yeah, I'm intrigued, I think, by Zay Jones. And I've been a really big Hunter Renfro guy. Also probably got too much Darren Waller in best ball drafts. That did not help out. Uh, he and Travis Kelsey both, I think, can both uh, go do something to themselves that I'll save on a for a less savory show than the Osmo channel. Uh, but I will say that, like, to me, <laughs> 
Zay Jones, I'm with you. I think it's an interesting play. I, there was also a nice clip of him floating around, giving some encouragement to Rich Passaccia and saying, you're doing a great job, coach. Maybe he's just politicking for some more touches in the playoffs. I think there were some routes that, that could make sense there. Just desperation to the Bengals. We know have a really high-powered offense. You definitely see Zay Jones you know, get one of those Hail Mary-type throws or just deep balls that he actually has had a handful of times this year, uh, which are not very common in this Raiders offense since Ruggs did go to jail. So I'm with you on Zay Jones. I think he's interesting. And overall, the I think the Raiders just, their their lack of you know really honing in on one target like they definitely do like Waller they do like Renfro but they're willing to spread around and Derek Carr certainly will hit whoever the open man is I think in terms of just a GPP guy bubbling up at receiver being cheap enough and then somehow walking into a 50-yard TD I think the Raiders are probably the most likely team to have that outcome Tyler have we had these the the the, the badges for a year yet I don't see anyone that has yeah I don't know I was just looking at it that 12-month badge is sick I'm at eight months and 29 days. Someone's got to be close. I don't know. It's completely uh, off topic and unnecessary. But uh, Alex, when it comes to when it comes to these wide receivers, the cheap ones specifically, uh, you got Vegas, you got Buffalo. But like you said, Gabriel Davis becomes a whole lot less appealing with Emmanuel Sanders back in the mix. Right. You got New England, but that's not a pretty spot to get to. And then you have like a, a Tyler Boyd from Cincinnati. We can talk about CJ Osama. Uh, being a, a pretty decent option. Where is the value uh, at wide receiver and really pass catchers in general? So I think uh, sub 4K, you got two options. Uh, well, I guess Zay Jones is 4K. He, he's probably the best option. We have him as being almost a one in three chance of being the, the perfect lineup. Solid. Yeah, that's, that's a lot higher than you'd expect. And it's just because you really need to hit that value play. Um, and then the other guys, Nelson Aguilar, uh, he's kind of that deep threat for New England. Doesn't get targeted a ton, but he did play a 97% of snaps last week. And then uh, Deshaun Jackson, he's a guy that maybe I'm going to avoid because in that must-win game last week versus the Chargers, he only played on 18% of passing plays. Say Jones and Brian Edwards seem to have kind of outcompeted him uh, at this point. And... Uh, the other guy that I'm looking at is Brian Edwards at only 3,300. He, uh, he's only been targeted 11% of the time this year, but his play time is significant. So he's, uh, he's a guy that's a, a boom and bust play. It is kind of wild, though, Spags. I mean, you look since week 13, and that was the first week that Waller missed. Uh, Zay Jones and Renfro have the same target share. So if you were – if I had asked you how do you – project what this target share looks like I, it's a difficult question but now that waller's back coming off a you know clearly rusty but nine target game what do you think we see in terms of target distribution especially given that we know this bengals team can score points shit dude burrow's thrown from us a thousand yards over the last two weeks well last two games he's played I mean, I think Hunter Renfro is still going to be the first look for Derek Carr. Like he's clearly been a safety blanket, been a lower a dot guy who Carr has piled up targets when we've seen Waller be out. But I think Zay Jones, this particular matchup and, you know, not to give, not to immediately launch in the shilling for my, my new company, but football outsiders, we do DVOA over there. Of course, one of the most uh, known stats at a reference. I reference there. I reference it all the time. Yeah, it's, it's fun. We also get reference and DK uh, notifications all the time. And I'll tell you what, they don't attribute once 
<laughs> they just say DVOA like it's a magic number that comes out of the air, but it's at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, but we have an 18.3% wide receiver boost, uh, according to DVOA to wide receiver twos, and a 12% drop for the Bengals defense on the year against wide receiver ones. And I think Hunter Renfro to me is unequivocally, you know, treated as a wide receiver one in this offense with those looks. Obviously, you know, Darren Waller, you can make that case too, but that is a separate split for how we look at that stuff at Football Outsiders. And I'd say that does give me a reason to have some faith in Zay Jones. Like I like Renfro as a player. The price tag though is so high. It really just takes one play for Zay Jones to beat his value on the day. Whereas Renfro probably needs like a 10 catch hundred yard day to be, you know, in the hunt for being in that final winning lineup at his price tag on DK. So I think taking Zay Jones stabs and just shaving a little bit off Hunter Renfro probably would be the move, even though Renfro is to me like the best receiver in this group. I agree. But Zay Jones too is someone who will get a couple red zone targets. Obviously Renfro uh, is a preferred option there, but, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's that, and even Edwards, as gross as it sounds, um, Alex, we've done a pretty good job of covering this two game or just bouncing around to the most important stuff. So let's wrap it with this and then talk Sunday. When it comes to Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs, is there anything that you differentiate there? Are you just trying to get a decent amount of both of them? Do you prefer one over the other, given that they're so close in price this week? Yeah, I think the thing uh, is, you don't need a crazy score from these guys to be in the winning lineup because usually with wide receiver, there aren't that many guys that will get over 10 on a, a two game slate. So even if they just get their uh, chase, we have for 17 points, six or 16 points, even if they just get that average performance, it could very well be good enough. As far as which one to go to, I think chase has the better matchup and the weather is a lot better. Buffalo does, uh, they uh let's see the base passing rates of these teams buffalo is at 37 percent cincinnati's at 42 percent so buffalo passes a little bit more that might be negated a little bit because of the weather but uh at least it's not windy so honestly it's a coin flip for me spags if you're playing three uh three max or single entries right where are your preferred stacks Obviously, you want to get to a little bit of everything, maybe not the Patriots, but where would your preferred stacks be with Allen and Burrow essentially getting the same ownership and then Carr coming in not that far behind them, but at a much cheaper price? I think for a single entry, I would try to do the route I was talking about earlier of going Josh Jacobs way and then going with a full Bengal stack. And then, you know, try and I think Jamar Chase is still probably the option I would trust the most. I think you can certainly get to a Higgins Boyd stack or even, you know, uh, Higgins Uzoma, I think is an option too, given the tight end boost that's been uh, given up on the air by the Vegas defense, given up an 18.3% boost to tight ends overall, which is actually a 25th in the league. So a pretty low number for them. But I think that's sort of the approach that I like the most is getting away from mixing to shave off that ownership, going to the Raiders, hoping that they have a lead and then, you know, probably blow it down the stretch to the, to a Bengals team with a high total. But I think the bill is just a difference in totals here. You know, Alex mentioning the passing rates, I think is certainly a factor to keep in mind too, but weather low totals, like, I think you just have to trust the Bengals offense a little bit more going against a Raiders team that's given up a lot of production. Whereas the Patriots, like they could pull out, you know, that Super Bowl special where they completely shut down the Rams on a year where they were doing everything and blowing up against everybody. Wouldn't surprise me here, even though obviously the talent's different and all that. Um, so I think there's a lot more risk to the Bills than there is for the Bengals, where I just don't know how the Bengals would somehow not score points. I don't disagree. And I feel like Alex, CJ Osama is it... – I'm not saying he's super cheap, but I do think it's pretty reasonable given that he is part of this game plan every week. And when you have a high powered offense like this, that's chucking the ball around 
and racking up insane passing yards against, by the way, decent enough defenses. Do you think the, the fact that we get a cheap tight end who's involved in the offense plus a cheap Tyler Boyd just makes them that much more appealing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, tight end, uh, there really aren't very many great options aside from Darren Waller this week so or on Saturday. So uh, Uzoma is the best uh, value among the remaining tight ends. So he's a great play. And then, I mean, if you like the receivers, you, you're going to like the quarterback. So I think bro, certainly a great option. Uh, one thing I like to do in these slates is a, a super onslaught where you just take a bunch of guys from the same team. So I think you could pull that off pretty easily with Cincinnati. They have a 54% chance of being the top stack according to our top stack tool. So all the factors are looking good there. Yeah. And I, I keep coming up with good questions. So forgive me for not turning the page yet. Uh, Spags on a two game where I, I also have no problem with, and I, I want to know where you're at here with like a, you know, Joe Mixon plus T Higgins without Joe Burrow or something like that. It, it just seems that there's a lot of ways it can get there, especially if you have Derek Carr on the other side of that, running it back with multiple of his pass catchers or something to that extent. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's certainly an approach you can make here. Mixon doesn't derive a lot of the value from the past game. So you, I probably wouldn't want to play him a ton alongside Burrow, unless you are going for that full onslaught, like Alex is talking about. So yeah, I think the Mixon and plus Higgins or you know, one of Higgins or Chase or Boyd. Yeah, or, any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think like it's all the same principle there, but I'm with you. Like that does, that's like a viable pathway. And, and maybe if you do put Ozoma there instead of Chase or instead of Higgins, like it's probably a different construction than a lot of people out there. So you're getting different than that, you know, two thirds of the field that's going to be on Mixon. No doubt. Hey, if you haven't checked out our sponsor prize picks yet, well, there's two really good reasons, three really good reasons to do so. First of all, it's just a sick site or app. If you're on your phone and your iPhone, in the Apple store, the uh, Google play store, wherever it is, or you're going to prizepicks.com. It's a sick site where you have player prop contests, no sharks, optimizers, anything like that. You're just using props without juice on either side, taking the over or the under and building lineups of two, three, four, or five players. It's that simple. You've 10X your, your, your entry if you hit five of five. And unlike traditional books, this is, this is a key factor here. If you hit four of five, you still 2X, right? You're not just going four or five and, and getting nothing back on, on for, in return. You, if you three of five, you still make money back. Uh, and that's huge over at Price Picks. Plus, it just looks nice, right? Like the user, the experience for the user is great. But aside from all of that, if you use the promo code AWESOME, you'll get $100, up to $100 first match deposit bonus. And if you use the link that Tyler is going to throw in the chat right now or the link that's in the description already of this video, get a free month of AWESOME Plus Platinum. $90 value, everything on the site, ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom bust tool, lineup builder, even after NFL's over. I mean, it's every sport. So you got baseball, golf is back in full swing. All of these sports, every uh, all the content out there, or any contest, we got content for it over there. And we have the free player prop tool and odd chopper that you can take advantage of. So get your free month. They'll hit you. We'll hit you up in 24 to 48 hours, get you set up, get you into our premium discord, into our office hours chat as well, where you got the pros helping you better your game each and every day. Over Tyler's got it up on the screen right now, showing you right there. Look at that. Look at that job right there. A little demonstration on how to play prize picks. Good work, sir. 
yeah, check it out. Prizepicks.com. Use the promo code Awesome. Use the link in the description. You get a hundred dollars when you sign up using our promo code Awesome. Plus a ninety dollar value. Awesome. Plus full month everything on the site when you head over to Prize Picks and start playing. So we'll see you over there. Prizepicks.com. Sponsor of the On the Contrary show, fellas. It's time to talk Sunday football. And Alex, I think we have to kick it off with weather. Uh, Raymond James State. I think it's called Raymond James Stadium, right? In Tampa? I don't think that's changed, yeah. yeah I think so. I mean, Actually, the naming rights sold to Tyler, and now it's the, the crooked Scarface poster in the background. <laughs> <laughs> See, the people need producer cab. Otherwise, they would know if, if they could. <laughs> Dude, Tyler's been, Tyler's been doing this new thing now where he just will, like, completely turn the lights off or cover up his screen. Yeah, like that. So oh, he used to do that all the time on the morning MLB shows, that he would yeah. just disappear. And doing what? I don't know. Right. He says he's eating, but, you know. Mm-hmm debatable you, you highly questioned am i right <laughs> yeah, we, maybe we shouldn't do producer cap <laughs> <laughs> yeah save that for jordan's apartment with his nice i went to jordan's <laughs> place one of the last people i saw in la his sick marina del rey apartment like he's, he's you hung out the there out didn't there. you yeah 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 that place is ridiculous oh yeah and it is well he i don't want to spoil too much here but jordan's apparently his family owns that building and he's got like the access to everything and like he's got Crazy. jordan's got a sweeter setup than anybody out there realizes yeah, oh yeah. I think his aunt is like a, a, a director or producer for uh, yeah. She's uh, a Hollywood bigwig, is what we'd call her. <laughs> for Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And that's been running since like 1971. So, yeah, well, that's why Jordan's such a heartthrob, is he probably did a guest in on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and all the ladies know. You got, you got to watch us at the end of the, yesterday's Deeper Dive and Live Before Locks. Oh, I was, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm watching every day. I'm doing my lineups yeah. to keep you guys on. I saw the Kmart announcement. Jordan's really embracing the character work that I, I've personally always wanted to see on the season. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. And by embracing, it's like, Jordan, you better do this, please. Just, it'll be great. And he's like, go ahead. Hit him with fine. a stick off camera. Yeah. Dude, he takes everything in stride, though. So, Appreciate it. And Tyler, too, man. We got some phenomenal producers around this way putting in the work. Shout out to our boy, Tyler Xander. All right, Alex, sustained winds of 23 to 30 miles per hour. Now, look, like you've said, and I think like Spag said earlier, you have to just, you know, look at Vegas and see if anything's moving. And it moved a little. I mean, at one point it was nine and a half, opened at eight and a half. It's down to eight. Does this benefit? the Eagles who have the highest run play percentage in the league compared to the Bucks, who have the lowest run play percentage in the league. If we really are looking at potential 30 mile per hour sustained wins throughout this game. Yeah. I mean, the wind here is going to be a factor. So it's going to be a downgrade to the passing offenses of both teams with the, the Eagles. It's hard to say it's like such a huge difference maker for one particular team, because if the Eagles get down, and they have to throw, then it's going to be even harder to make a comeback and vice versa. So, um, but Philadelphia, like running the ball more, should benefit more from the winds being high. Um, so I think this one's interesting because usually Brady would be that guy we want to stack up, but the conditions here seem surprisingly bad in Tampa. So uh, maybe it's not as obvious uh, when you got um some other good quarterbacks on that slate for sure i mean it's such a weird spot bags because we know the eagles want to run you know you know that there's no way they in my opinion stay competitive unless they run i really believe that too uh no team attempted fewer passes than the eagles this season but at the same time tampa's got a good run defense they've been kind of pedestrian over the last month and a half though so whatever 
Uh, and the Eagles have a great blocking offensive line. The problem is, though, I, who do you even go to for the Eagles run game if you wanted to exploit this area of the of the game and, and exploit the weather here and, and kind of tell yourself a story? I mean, it seems like they're going to play a Miles Sanders, even with his semi-broken hand at this point. So I, I don't know that I have a lot of trust there. Guy fumbles think, enough already, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then you know, too, like they have, because they have the stable of backs, like they would love to get Boston Scott in the second that Miles Sanders is an effective. Yep. Jordan Howard's also been like shockingly good this year relative to what uh, you expect of a Jordan Howard. And and Gainwell, I know, I know Lafayette, you know, as I do, being in this area, like people love Kenneth Gainwell in the Philly area. And, and he showed a lot earlier in the year. And, you know, there is some logic to getting him in the mix giving him some check down passes and seeing what we can do in open space. But I'm with you. Like, I agree. Like, I think it's hard to trust these guys. The fact the total hasn't moved for the bucks at all, though, they still have over 27 point implied total. I think that's the run game. You really want to target. And for the Sunday for slate, sure. like Fournette being back in hamstring or not, I think that's where a lot of the money is going to be made is just trusting Fournette. Like people have not been willing to do all year, despite the crazy workload and, and share of the offense that he has. And the insane upside in the passing game for this guy. I mean, it's crazy to me that you look at his last, what is it? His uh, since week 10, nine, six, eight, eight, seven, and seven targets. I mean, it's crazy. That's elite passing volume for a running back. And uh, just to, to, to follow up on what Spag said, Alex, Leonard Fournette is, well, first of all, he's still questionable. Bruce Arians said he's trending in the right direction and he, sh- he should have a chance to play. So, mm-hmm. We'll know soon enough. I don't know yet. He is getting uh, an insane amount of ownership. But what's pretty what's pretty amazing about this is if you look at Leonard Fournette, he still has – well, actually, he's not getting an insane amount. His optimal lineup score is 78%. At 45% projected ownership, we have him with a 33.2% leverage score. I mean, that's one of the wildest leverage scores you'll see for a guy that's already pulling almost 50% ownership. Yeah, I think this one comes down to what you think is going to happen with Ronald Jones out. So, or doubtful uh, technically right now. But if if that work that in the regular season went to Ronald Jones goes to Fournette instead, uh, I think that he's going to be on the field uh, a, a lot more than a regular season game. They do have some other backs in there. They got Bell, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Gio Bernard, I think, is going to be healthy. So I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do there, but Fournette being out there most of the time seems like uh, a given. Sig Homie says, Eagles hold backfield is hurt. They ain't going to get nothing going. I, I wouldn't be worried about the backfield. I'd just be worried about the fact that Tampa scores a lot of points early and then forces them to, to get away from it. But, no, Howard had a stinger. Uh, he sat last game. He was limited week 17, but he played. Uh, Boston Scott's fine. I, I wouldn't be worried about the injuries here. Um, I am curious, though, Alex, where do you go in the passing games for these guys? I mean, and, and I think we're all in agreement. Leonard Fournette, if he plays, is a spectacular option through and through. Uh, he is wildly underpriced. Somebody said, please talk me off of Miles Sanders. I can do that pretty easily. Leonard Fournette is $600 more expensive than him. Elijah Mitchell is 50 set. Like there's a lot of mispriced running backs on this slate, but what do you do with the passing game in Philly, Tampa, uh, given the wins and, and given what we know about Godwin being out, Antonio Brown has gone. Cyril Grayson is doubtful to play. Rashad Perriman's questionable to play. Like they're, they, they, this could be a huge day or volume day for guys like Evans and Gronk. 
Definitely, yeah. The wins are kind of negated to some extent because of Antonio Brown and uh, Godwin right. not playing for the Bucks uh, at this point. So I think that Gronk and Evans are going to get much higher target shares than they normally do. They look like pretty solid plays despite the, the wind. Hit that thumbs up, too. We got 350 people watching and uh, 78 likes. You forgot. I forgive you. It's fine. But 22 away from 100. That would be fantastic. Spags, do you look towards – and you can hit on Tampa, too, if you want to go back and forth here. Uh, but I do want to hit on somebody like Goddard, whose price has come down pretty considerably in a game where they might end up throwing more than they usually do. Yeah, I mean, Goddard's certainly the lower A-dot guy out of him and Devonta Smith and even Quez Watkins. Uh, got Goddard getting 8.4 air yards per target uh, compared to 15.2 for Devonta Smith. So you got to think, you know, cutting through the wind, you're going to go to the guy who's going to be a shorter, you know, distance target overall. And that is Goddard. We've all seen him have more volume. They have not shown. I don't I don't think Devonta Smith's had a single 10 target game all year, whereas we have seen Goddard get there and then have the upside as well. So I think I'm with you like Goddard to me, a very strong tight end play, a guy that I would trust the most. And I think besides that, you know, it's tough because I really do like Devonta Smith. And I think if they gave him, you know, even little dink and dunk kind of plays and gave him a chance to run after the catch, like he was the best yards after catch guy in the NFL draft. He could be useful, but that's just not what they've done with him all year. And I don't know why you'd expect that to change. So I think Goddard out of all the pass catch, catching options probably has to be your top one uh, for the Eagles. And for Tampa, uh, Gronk, Evans, do you look towards like a Tyler Johnson or any of these other kind of tertiary options? So I think if Brashad Perriman gets in, he's kind of interesting. He's actually been a lower dot guy than he's ever been at any point in his career, a 9.4 air yards per target this year. So they've been using him um, so far in this, you know, this limited time frame that he's been playing and sort of that Antonio Brown slash Godwin role where, you know, Evans is still the one who's going to go down deep. And then Perriman, even though he has historically been the guy who's been, you know, we remember a couple of years ago with Jameis, he was getting 400 air yards a game and what Jameis was doing. Now he's kind of being used like a dink and dunk guy. Maybe it's the age or just the need that they have at that spot. But with no Cyril Grayson, I think that, you know, to me, Perriman, um, somebody I've had a, a predisposition to so that you could couch it accordingly. But I do think a guy that is interesting to me in this spot because people just don't trust him, aren't going to be on him. But he's been running as many routes as anybody, you know, since the Bucks have lost uh, pretty much all their guys who've been important in the earlier parts of the year. All right. So, Alex, we know the Sunday running back situation is Leonard mm -hmm. Fournette, great price point really high optimal lineup percentage uh that's our boom bust tool as well uh and i guess i could just throw this out there now we're running a, a promo for a dollar you'll get our express nfl pass single dollar all of our showdown content is included we got a bunch of main slate stuff you got the the lineup builder light in there uh, and a lot of it for a single dollar the whole week all of our nfl express pass but the big thing is ownership uh, the top plays tool, optimal lineup percentages for all of the showdown games. I would personally wait until tomorrow to take advantage of it, right? Use the promo code super wild. That's it, right, Tyler? Super wild, all one word, all caps. We always come up with some wild shit. So I got to be careful. Here. Super wild, all one word, all caps. Wait till tomorrow because since it's all of the showdown content and you're getting an insane amount of value, do it tomorrow so then you're getting next weekend showdown content as well. At $1, wait till tomorrow, super wild, or just go to awesome.com slash promos and click it, and you'll have more than just wild card weekend of all of the showdown content and main slate content, not all of our main slate content, but a good amount of tools 
to take advantage of. So wait till tomorrow, plug that in, awesome.com slash promo, super wild, $1, one single dollar for the Awesome Express NFL Pass. You can't beat that. It's an awesome promo. I actually asked these guys to put this together for the upcoming week because you can take advantage of so much heading into the play, uh, playoffs. So hopefully we'll see you over there. And you can join our Discord as well if you want. All right. Uh, was I on you, Spags? I can't even remember. Oh, no, Alex. Uh, running backs. What are we doing outside of Fournette? Uh, so Daryl Williams uh, looks like one of the, the best options. Uh, at this point, we don't know if Clyde edwards Solaire is going to play or not. If he doesn't play, it's even better for Williams. But I think at this point, <clears throat> uh, edwards Solaire has been out long enough that Williams would probably get the bulk of the work if, if edwards Solaire plays. We did see that last year in the playoffs that edwards Solaire was kind of banged up and, and Williams still got more of the work so um besides that eli mitchell Najee harris and ezekiel elliott all like reasonable options but uh yeah not no one's really jumping out at me spags does anyone jump out at you from mitchell to zeke to any of these kc backs depending on who plays and of course Najee harris 12 and a half point dog but is the volume going to be enough for him Najee, I think the, the elbow injury, not great for him too. missing some practice down the stretch. I don't know if that limits his workload and maybe get some more Benny Snell in the mix, but uh, makes him an interesting tournament play, but probably not a guy you want to bank on heavily. I do think Eli Mitchell is somebody that I'm intrigued by banking on heavily. And this might be informed by the fact that you know, Pete and I on splash play have really thought that San Francisco is a team that is kind of a dark horse Super Bowl candidate odds wise or right in the middle of the Love pack. Him. But yeah, they're a team like in terms of how they're built, in terms of Kyle, how Kyle Shanahan does things like running the ball defensively, not as good as they were a few years ago, but they have the weapons and Debo and Kittle. Um, they also have some guys who you can rotate in and be useful besides them. And then Eli Mitchell's just been a monster all year. And he's somebody that DFS wise, I unfortunately have not played enough of. And then every week I'm like, I wish I played this guy. He's so good. He gets touches 51% of the time when he's on the field. Like that's an amazing number. I think the highest actually might be the highest mark on the Sunday slate too. Like he's really good. And I think there's a game script or a lot of game scripts where Mitchell's useful and they stay in that game with the Cowboys don't get dusted. Um, I suppose there's a chance that could happen, but because I'm a Niners believer, I think that Eli Mitchell's going to be useful and that game's even remotely competitive. He's going to probably get in the end zone and get a good amount of work. Shanahan loves him. No matter how many times he gets injured, he comes back. He immediately injects him straight into the offense with 20 carries or more. So. He's going to inject it probably a lot of ways with all the injuries he's had. <laughs> yeah, he's, right. That boy has broken everything on his body at some point. When I said that, I was like, there's a joke in there somewhere for sure. There's a tag somewhere. But yeah, I, I it's a weird spot. Like with Najee, with the elbow, Zeke's just been so wildly inefficient is the problem. Like, so inefficient. Does he get opportunities? Sure, he's going to get a lot of work. And of course, we're waiting on Tony Pollard's status. Or not his status, but his... Like, he's going to play, but what's his involvement look like, like with that plantar fascia? It's weird. And then Kansas City's tough as well. That's why we got live before lock and deeper dive tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, as Spags mentioned, his Splash Play podcast. And be sure to check out all his work at Football Outsiders and over at Edge Sports. Uh, doing a lot of stuff these days, man. Yeah, a lot of stuff and nothing at the same time. So I think that's sort of <laughs> that's the way it goes. When I miss doing NBA, like I kind of not watching the shows because like it's so chaotic this year more than ever. But uh, maybe someday I'll get to do those streets and get to join all of you guys just rallying off or you know railing off constant COVID changes every single day. It, there were a couple of weeks there that were brutal. I mean, it just didn't end. It was interminable. But yeah. Uh, yeah. 
welcome back anytime, man. You know that. Hey, I'm right. always happy to do free labor for you guys whenever. <laughs> <laughs> we don't pay our people anyway. No, no uh, you? of course not. Of course, we do. Alex, wide receivers, tight ends, and then let's give our top uh, fades, pivots, and our favorite bet of the week. I know Spags came equipped with one of each. When it comes to to the top tier of the position with Debo, and we talked about Evans quite a bit, uh, Kelsey, Gronk, like the tight end position's kind of stacked for a three-game slate. Who are your favorite spots to get to here? Uh, so I think at tight end, we got uh... – a pretty good uh, mix of options here with Kelsey and Kittle both being on the same slate. I think that Kittle, like, uh, the performances have been pretty uneven where he was uh, he, he was balling, like, a month ago, and then all of a sudden, like, he's doing nothing. And to me, that's just kind of fluky. Uh, I think that averaging all those out makes sense. And if you do that, he looks like a great play that maybe – People are going to fade to, to recency bias, so he might be my favorite on the Sunday slate. Okay. Yeah, and odds, our, our projections, if you go over to Odd Shopper, love Kittle this week. We, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that at the end of the show, but, yeah, we've got him 69% win rate over four and a half uh, receptions, basically even money on FanDuel because at Odd Shopper, we just give you the best bet no matter what book, uh, depending on where you live. And yeah, and and, and rec- uh, receiving yards, we also have Kittle projected way over that best bet at Sugar House. But yeah, 49 and a half uh, receiving yards is the prop. We got him at 71.8, 72% expected win rate, 35% expected ROI. Throw that up on the screen too, Tyler, for anyone that wants to check out Odd Shopper. It's totally free. Uh, I had a banger on the, on the parlay builder yesterday too, Alex, with the, uh, I actually went with the chalk eater five leg, all NBA props hit each and every one of them comfortably, man. It feels good when that parlay builder hits. You got, awesome, you, you don't do you, any work. You, you just you plug gotta, it in. <laughs> you got to love the chalk eater one, especially because who doesn't love just like uh, a, a parlay full of chalk. I, but still got it to seven to one odds. Like it nice. still was, you know, decent, decent return, but it's just nice. Cause you go in there like, okay, I don't need to build my own parlay. They build it for me uh, with better projections than I can make. So yeah, I try to take advantage of that. Anyway, Spags round us out here on the Sunday slate uh, and we'll have Sunday deeper dive live before lock two. I think like four hours again with where you go at wide receiver, where you go at tight end, anyone really specific from a value standpoint or top tier standpoint that you just feel is necessary to get a lot of this week. So I'm a little bit more down on Kittle. And I guess this is kind of going against, I love going against Alex on these shows and immediately being proven wrong, especially now that he's finally got that seven figure nut. And I'm just like, <laughs> any oh, given man. Sunday, bro. <laughs> but I'm going to push back on George Kittle. I think the thing with Kittle, the reason he rose up was that they didn't have Eli Mitchell in, and they started doing those gimmicky things with Debo getting handoffs. And that's really, to me, why I think paying the price tag on Debo going to be really tough. And I think just looking at him, you know, where Debo's just shy of 8K on DraftKings, Kittle's under 6K. I think people are going to go Kittle's way a little bit more, but Debo, when he was getting that full pass catching role, was an absolute monster, and he could still get the gimmicky handoff. So he's a guy that I want to get above the field on, and I'm willing to spend the money and try to take on some different constructions as a result. But um, that's one guy that jumped out to me. I do think Travis Kelsey as well uh, on the same token, like a guy came on a little bit stronger down the stretch, really underperformed all year, and people have written him off as a 
result. I'm willing to buy in for the playoffs just because I think the targets get concentrated. Tyreek Hill being banged up probably doesn't help that much either. And you do have a million weapons for Kansas City, but Kelsey, you know, is the one they really do trust. And even though he's probably looking a little bit closer to wash than I think people would want to admit, I think on this slate at his price tag, I'd rather get a little more money go his way and then just take some value stabs, you know, some 3K guys, some 4K guys, and at least one spot, just try to afford both uh, Debo and Travis Kelsey in some lineups. So I try and we try and give the people what they want around here. And I would be remiss to not hit on these two things before we go. Uh, so Alex, I want to ask you, and then same thing to Spags. When it comes to value receivers, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. So hear me out. One, if Juju Smith-Schuster plays, he has minimum salary. If they say that he's not going to be limited, and we do not know yet, but it does appear that he's trending towards playing, and this was a shoulder injury, not a lower body injury, so if he's conditioned, who knows? Maybe he's out there for a lot, and it takes away from an obvious like Ray-Ray McLeod situation. Does he become viable at minimum salary? And do you have any concerns that as almost two touchdown favorites, the Kansas City Chiefs use Tyreek Hill in a similar fashion and Byron Pringle ends up getting more opportunities as he did in that win over the Broncos in week 18. Floor's yours, and then Spag, same question to you. I think these are two big pieces for this week. Yeah, I think Juju is a killer play. Uh, being the cheapest receiver that's going to be playing, and also a pretty good one. You have him at a projection of eight points on 3K, so he's going to be a great value this week. We'll have to wait and see what the ownership will be, because that news broke this morning, and then uh, one of the guys that's kind of popping out to me that no one's going to be on is Juwan Jennings for San Francisco. Uh, it looks like his role might be threatened by the return of Mohamed Sanu, but Sanu uh, is on the IR still. They didn't activate him. So uh, Juwan Jennings actually ran routes on 83% of plays last week. He, he has a pretty good target share too. So it looks like no one's on him. He could be a difference maker this week. Spag, same thing, baby. What do we got? I think Juwan Jennings is a guy that's been pretty good throughout the year too. And I've happened to luck onto him a couple of times here and he helped out at low price tags. And I think uh, Alex is definitely um, I'm on the same page there. Juju. I mean, we all know him and how he's been in the Steelers offense being the low a dot guy, but this year that actually has been a benefit before he got hurt where Ben is also throwing real low, just seven yards per attempt on the year. So I think Juju coming back in, assuming that he does get a decent workload. Obviously if we get some reports indicating that um, that he'll be good to go for a full game's worth of work. And it seems like that's the case. Like I think he's worth taking that stab as well. And then I also wouldn't mind going to Byron Pringle. I know I mentioned him and, and wanted to go Kelsey a little bit more, but Pringle under 4K when he's basically been the number two here, maybe Demarcus Robinson gets a few looks in the end zone. And I think that, you know, throws people off the set, but Pringle's been shockingly good this year and pulled ahead of Nicole Hardman for a lot of stretches of the season as well. I think in the playoffs, you may see that rewarded that Pringle's just been a reliable source and, and under 4K, like I think he's not so cheap that people are going to go like, oh, I got to lock him in, but he's, you know, 3,900 and he can definitely get you to some of the higher price guys so i think going pringles way would really would speak to me in a meaningful way beautiful well this has been fun boys we wrap it up the same way we do every week here on the contrary with our top fade top pivot and favorite bet and i should point out too that even if you're not looking to sign up at osmo we have free content today player projections for nba if you're getting into that nine game action uh, nhl ownership projections and mma rankings all of them entirely free over at awesome.com so let's do this uh, Spags, we'll go to you first as our guest. Top fade, top pivot, and favorite bet for Wildcard Weekend. The top fade for me, I think, for the Sunday is going to be 
uh, going against George Kittle. Uh, it's not a crazy amount of ownership going his way, so this honestly is not that brave a take. But I think if you can get a little bit less than the 30% that the field's expected to go to, go some different directions, I think that's going to be beneficial, especially if you do go a little more Debo's way. And then pivot-wise, I, I don't want to really advocate for this that strongly because you know we, it's a contrarian show, so I'll, I'll be strong with it. But Joe Mixon, I think taking him out of your lineups, going Josh Jacobs' way, I really like that as a construct. I think Vegas has overperformed in every sense, and I think Rich Passaccia, I didn't know who he was going into the year. Love seeing a proud Italian-American come in and do some meaningful <laughs> things, and I think he's really taken them in a direction that they can maybe pull it a lead here and have Josh Jacobs be valuable and keep Joe Mixon at bay. So I think going Josh Jacobs' way, leaving out Joe Mixon as the, the pivot move I would make for the Saturday slate. Who's the greatest Italian NFL player uh, uh, that's ever played? So we've debated this a lot. I think Vinny Testaverde came up a lot for people. There's, I think, uh, is Mark Gastineau somebody? He might be, I know, he might be more French. I, it's it's tough to dig through it. The most recent one was uh, Ben DiNucci, where I was I was hoping he'd be useful coming out of JMU, and he's he's done nothing. And there was some guy, like a Giovanni something on the Panthers this year. Uh, Lafay, you don't know how much we've been keeping up with Italian players. Oh, Giovanni <laughs> Bernard, right? No, there's a Giovanni <laughs> Ricci or something uh, that was, yeah, Gio Bernard. Yeah, of course, a proud Italian-American <laughs> Gio Bernard. Kyle O'Quinn, right? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> one day we're going to have one good player, and I think that's that's the thing I'm, hope, I'm hoping for happens in the next five years that I'm still doing content. Maybe. I, I typed in best Italian NFL players, and the first guy to pop up was Joe Montana. So <laughs> uh, We're stretching there. Yeah, we're I'm stretching. Joe Montana, welcome to the family. <laughs> yeah. Alex, fade, pivot, and uh, of course, your best bet of the week. My fade uh, is Gabriel Davis for this weekend. Uh, so he's played on 90% of snaps over the last five games uh, before that he played. And those have all coincided with Emmanuel Sanders even be, even, or, uh, either being injured in one of those games or out completely. So uh, if you go back to the game where Sanders was in, Davis only ran routes at about 30% of plays on an average week. So if Davis had been performing well, I could see him like taking over from Sanders. But last week, he went three out of 14 targets for 39 yards, which is a, a horrible performance. So I won't be surprised if they just don't hesitate to replace those uh routes with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so that's my pivot. And then my bet is under on Gabriel Davis receiving yards. All right. I love it. I'll wrap this one up. So fade for me, Deontay Johnson, he's still getting a, a good amount of ownership, but the problem is he's getting essentially the same amount of ownership as Mike Evans. And I think that's preposterous. I mean, much higher total, for 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 Evans and you might say yeah well they're getting four net back and they could have the lead doesn't matter they throw the ball regardless so yeah you get some wind in there he's still the highest pass play percentage team in the league without Godwin without Antonio Brown and I just think Mike Evans also a touchdown machine uh, is in a spot that is markedly better than Deontay Johnson and they're not even far apart in price so that's my pivot off of Deontay Johnson favorite bet um I'll go Mixon over rushing yards. And according to Odd Shopper, we've got him well over. We got him projected for almost 100 rushing yards. Uh, his prop at 74 and a half. Uh, best one you'll find is at FanDuel minus 114 on the over. I mean, yeah, that's just, we got him projected away. 30% expected ROI, 69% expected win rate. Those are beautiful numbers. So give me Joe Mixon there. 
And that'll do it for us. Thanks as always for hanging out. Follow Spags at Chris Spags. Check out the Splash Play Pod. Check out his work at Edge Sports and Football Outsiders. Of course, follow Alex at Awesome DFS and uh, myself at Lafay underscore D. And hey, uh, shout out to Tyler Zander for producing this show. As always, Spags, always a blast, man. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. A lot of fun to be here. And um, and I guess everybody strap in, get ready for the Patriots to ruin everything you're thinking about the playoffs on Saturday. That's what I'm going to give as my final words. And it seems like you are now a, uh, a Philly fan, and I embrace you for that. Prepare oh, yeah. for years and decades of pain. I mean, I am not a Philly fan, to be clear. I will do everything I, I know, can I to know, make myself not be an Eagles fan, but unfortunately it's going to be a house of Eagles fans. And, and also to everybody out there, make sure to play my son at 3K on DraftKings in 20 years uh, when he is in the NBA after my strong coaching hand uh, pays off. That's right. Spags got a, got a baby due in March, man. Big mm-hmm. things happening in the Spags family. Alex, anything else? Yeah, Spags, man. I can't wait to see you be the next LeVar Ball. Uh, that would be <laughs> beautiful. But uh, I uh, this uh, this should be a fun weekend. We get a triple dip with NFL Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and uh, playoffs. It's going to be a great one. Good luck. Good luck, guys. We'll catch you back here soon. Peace.